so we're getting into this uh, thing today that I've got a visual for, but we've been talking about starting over and the idea that there could be life beyond regrets. There's a lot of different types of regrets in our life. We've got, uh, in our first week, we talked about regrets of inaction and regrets of action and regrets of reaction. And just very quickly, these are different types of regrets we go through. A regret of, of action is something that we do that maybe we wish we hadn't have done and we regret that. It's a regret of action. A regret of inaction is something that, you know, maybe I wish I would have done that, but I didn't. And shoot, now I can't. And, and it's a regret of inaction. And then there's the regret of reaction. The reaction regret is, is uh, something that happened in your life. Maybe it happened to you. Maybe it was a betrayal. Maybe it was a, reje- a rejection. Maybe it was uh, the death of a loved one or, or the fact that you found out you had a disease. And this is just something that has happened. You didn't do it. You didn't fail to do it. It just happened. And so you're left and your only reaction is just to kind of stew in it, just kind of have regrets. And I just wish it hadn't happened. It's interesting uh, how this works because I think that when we have these different things in our lives, we just wonder, is there life beyond this? And and I don't want to take us to a really dark place right now, but you've probably had some dark moments in your life. And have you ever had those moments where once it all hit the fan, you're just like, man, is is there anything past this? Can we ever recover from this? Can we ever get past this? And in our very first week, we decided and we discussed that there is life beyond regrets. That's what Jesus is about. He's about giving us fresh starts, clean slates, new beginnings. And so that's why this series is called Starting Over. Today, we're going to specifically be looking at uh, how we deal with some of these regrets of reaction, things that happen in our life that we can't really control. And to kind of get us rolling in that uh, direction, uh, we, sh- we showed a video about cats being scared of cucumbers earlier, uh, which is weird. Um, but, you know, I wanted to be fair to the dog lovers. And so we got a dog video today and some dogs doing some things. It's funny because I cut this video down to like 45 seconds. You can find hours of this entertainment on YouTube. Um, These are dogs doing something that I think we can probably all relate to. Let's just check this out so we can see a picture of it. So, uh, you know, I said I'm a visual learner. I like to see things. And and I think that this image, by the way, if you enjoyed that, there's hours more on YouTube. Just just help yourself. Um, I think this is a visual image of a lot of times what happens with us in our life. Honestly, this picture, this video is an illustration of a lot of things. We're going to specifically look at it from one perspective today, but it's basically this, that the doorways, the gates, that last one was just like literally two sticks in the ground. The dog could have walked around. Dogs are so smart, some of the smartest animals on earth. I'm stuck, what can I do? Those doorways, they can represent, I think, what God has for us. Like he wants us to walk through this. He wants us to get to these places and the sticks in our mouths are the things that are holding us back. And we just boom, 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 boom. And sometimes we're just like, how do I get through the door? Now we all recognize, what do the dogs need to do? What do the dogs need to do? You don't know? What do the dogs need to do? Drop the stick. Just let, let it go, man. Like, you don't need that stick in the house anyway. Drop the stick. And I, and I think there's a lesson in that for us. Drop the stick. There are these things that we carry around. They're like weights on our back. Sometimes they're like giant sticks preventing us to walk through the pathways God has for us. And we just are determined to hold on to them no matter what. I'm going to keep this addiction. I'm going to keep this pain. I'm going to keep this habit. I'm going to keep this mindset. I'm going to keep it. I'm going to hold on to it. I'm never going to let go. And God's like, stop being so stupid. Drop the stick. Because inside there's all this amazing things that I have for you. Uh, Like I said, that could be applied to a lot of different things. What I want to look at today is this concept of the regret of reaction. We're going to look into some more reaction stuff later in a couple weeks uh, also. But um, there are times in our life when things happen to us, in us, around us, and we have no control over it. We can't stop it. We can't prevent it. 
And a lot of times those things, they just, they just stick on our backs, and it's because of something someone else did to us. Today, as we look at the regret of reaction, I, I want to remind us from last week, I, I think we're, we're looking over this in the course of three weeks, there, there are really three good, solid steps to moving on beyond regret. So before we get into the Bible part today, I want to remind us of these things. Uh, last week, we talked about the first step, which is recognize your regret. And remember the, the, the beach ball under the water. This is, this is not trying to hold our sin or our mistakes or whatever under anymore. It's not trying to control it, but just recognize it. Say, it's there, and let's take it to God. Let's recognize our regret. Today, we're talking about drop the stick. Release your regret. Let it go. Get it out. I think Pumbaa from Lion King said it best. You got to put you behind in the past, you know? You just got to let it go, right? Release your regret. And then in the, the final step of this is we'll talk about later on another week, redeem your regret. And God has this amazing way of taking the things in our life that have happened and, and making them for his glory. It's an amazing thing. But as we look at the second idea, releasing your regret, drop the stick, I think there is a major, major concept. It's one of our most least favorite topics to discuss, and it's something that as things have happened to us in our life, we have got to get used to uh, embracing, and the word is forgiveness, forgiveness, and I'm not talking about God's forgiveness for us, which we will get there in a second, but no, our forgiving other people, when things have happened to us, us being willing to say, I got to drop the stick, I've got to forgive you, because if I don't, I can't move on, I've got a pastor friend, he calls this uh, dropping F-bombs, Forgiveness. He said that people's least favorite F word is forgiveness, if you follow that, right? And so it's like, man, I don't want to forgive. There's lots of reasons why we don't want to forgive. I think one reason that we, uh, that, that we hold on to stuff and we don't want to forgive is because maybe it is our way of getting back at somebody. Like, I can't, I can't really, you know, get you back, but mm, I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to hold on to this thing. I'll show them. I'll never let, us, let it go. Sometimes forgiveness is hard because, well, sometimes... We've been hurt, and the only thing that makes us think we can feel better is the hope that maybe they can get hurt too. Like if they could get hurt too, then maybe that would make me feel a little bit better, and so we don't want to forgive. Forgiveness is hard sometimes because trust has been lost, you know, and so what am I supposed to do? Just act like this never happened? I don't trust you anymore. I don't want you in my house. I don't want you in my life. I don't want you talking to me anymore. Trust has been lost, and so we hold on to this. It's a defense mechanism that if I can just not let it go, it will remind me that I can't trust you. And, and I, we've all been there, right? Like you, you sit there and you're like, okay, this, this all makes sense. And it does. It's, a, it's kind of a natural reaction. Sometimes forgiveness is hard because the person that, that, that hurt us, they really offended us and they're not sorry for what they did. Why should I forgive you? You're not sorry, right? These are all thoughts that have gone through most of our minds. It's hard for me to talk about forgiveness without thinking about a quote uh, by this guy, Stephen Arterburner. He's a nationally respected uh, counselor and author. Uh, it's going to be on the screen behind me, too. I don't read you this quote. He's talking specifically when he talks about forgiveness, he's talking about unforgiveness, which is kind of hand in hand with forgiveness. If you don't forgive someone, you're holding unforgiveness. He says, um, Unforgiveness leads to pent up anger. Unresolved anger keeps us from moving forward because it locks us in a time machine, frozen, in the exact moment when a particular offense occurred. Can you relate to that? He says, fear from further injury makes us unwilling to move to do new levels of relationship, not only with those who have hurt us, but with anyone who might represent a similar threat. I don't trust men because a man hurt me, right? I don't trust dads because my dad wasn't there, whatever, whatever it is for you. Anyone who might represent a similar threat, we, we, 
we give a blanket clause to everyone else. Furthermore, if we allow unforgiveness to continue, we're likely to experience depression or bitterness or both. I hope I'm talking to somebody this morning because it might be that's you. You've just been down. And every time you think about why you're feeling down, it goes back to that moment, that time machine frozen moment where something happened. Yet, more important than any of these concerns is the most serious consideration of all, the spiritual consequence of unforgiveness, which is alienation from God. So we end up stuck. We're stuck like that dog trying to walk through the door with a stick in his mouth. We're frozen in a moment because we just, we just couldn't drop it. And we can't change the past. But somehow by holding on to it, we think that it'll make the pain go away. And so as we get into this today, I want to look to the Bible. And the Bible is look full of answers to life's most important questions. And, and Jesus talked a lot about forgiveness. It's one of God's favorite topics because it's the gift he gives to us, forgiveness. And so if you've got a Bible, we're going to be in the book of Matthew today. Uh, Matthew chapter 18 is going to be kind of our main text. So grab that, flip over to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. It's one of the biographies about the life of Jesus. Uh, there's four of them. We call those the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So we're in Matthew, the very first one, chapter 18. And we're going to just meet uh, uh, again, for the second time in this series, a guy named Peter. Remember him from Easter Sunday? Uh, Peter was kind of going through some stuff with Jesus, and he really had to look for some forgiveness himself. Well, Peter, this is before that, okay? Peter's got some questions about forgiveness. Jesus had been talking about it, and Peter's like, let me make sure I understand what you mean when you say forgive people. So that's, what, that's kind of what's happening in Matthew chapter 18. Let's just read, uh, we're in verse 21. We're just going to read verse 21 and just set up the whole picture as Peter asks a question to Jesus. All right, follow me. Here it is. It's on the screen too if you don't have it in front of you. It says, then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? This may seem like a strange way to ask the question, but Jesus uh, had spoken to the disciples about forgiveness before, okay? And so Peter's just trying to unpack this in his own mind. Okay, you want me to forgive people, but how many times, how far does this go? Uh, we're going to take a little time machine back and look in chapter 6. I'll just have it on the screen real quick for you. This is one of the things Jesus has said to his disciples about forgiveness. Matthew six fourteen and 15, he says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. And so Peter is just kind of wrestling with this concept. Okay, I get it. You want me to forgive other people because God is willing to forgive me. But like how far should I take this? And I wonder if there was someone in Peter's life who had really offended him. And if he really just needed to get that out. Like, okay, Peter, but how many times, I mean, Jesus, how many times do I forgive this person? Because I've tried to forgive them. But they won't stop. So he asked this question. It also helps to know this. Uh, Peter says, should I forgive him seven times? There was a, a custom in their culture that you could forgive someone three times, that you should forgive someone three times for the same offense. We, we have a simpler, similar concept in our culture, right? You know this concept, three strikes and you're out, right? And so it's like, okay, one, all right, I'll give you no chance. Two, what? Three, too many times, right? Fool, fool me thrice, you're out. <laughs> that's, that's the old adage that no one says. Three times. So, so Peter's kind of looking into his, his cultural, you know, setting. He says, all right, I understand that when Jesus talks about stuff, he's always raising the bar on grace. Like, that's just constantly. If you read through Jesus' teaching, he's always raised the bar, raised the bar. So Peter's like, all right, culture says forgive people three times. Jesus says I should forgive people. Jesus wants to raise the bar. 
Seven times seems like a lot, but seven times seems pretty generous. How many times should I forgive a brother or sister who's offended me? Up to seven times? And, and, and he might have thought that Jesus would be like, yes, Peter, seven's a great, you know what? Honestly, I was going to say five, but seven sounds good. So you think Peter was going to get a pat on the back, man, but that's not what happens. Jesus actually gives him this, this wild, mathematically crazy answer in verse 22. Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times. But 77 times. Other passages say 70 times 7, which is even more for you math doctors out there, right? 77 times. And it seems like a lot of times. So check this out, okay? So, so uh, uh, this happens in my house a lot, okay? I tell my wife, I'm going to be home at 5.30. Husbands, you follow me so far? <laughs> I'm going to be home at 5.30. And like 5.45, you're like, shoot, I'm not done with my thing yet. Your wife texts you about 6.15. Hey, uh, you coming home? Uh, yeah, I'm on my way, and you show up, and yeah, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I told you I'd be home at 5.30. I wasn't home at 5.30. I'm really sorry. And my wife is so gracious, and she's like, I forgive you. I'm like, yes, good. Off the hook. Never do that again until tomorrow. And then, <laughs> hey, listen, we got this thing. Kids get excited. You know, Silas has got Boy Scout thing going on. You got to be here at 7 o'clock. So when are you going to be home? I'll be home by 6.30. Sweet. 6.45 rolls around. You get it. I'm not there. I'm so sorry. I'll never let it happen again until when? Tomorrow or a week later, right? Anybody? It's just me, right? And so, and it happens again. And so Peter's asking this question, like, for real, though. How many times do I need to let this go? Seven times? And that's just being late. But let's say I actually do something terrible to someone. I lie. I lose trust. Three times is a lot. Seven is gracious. And Jesus says, now 77 would be a good number. And I don't think he's advocating that we carry little notepads in our back pocket and we're like, okay, <laughs> 76, one more, and I'm punching you in the ear, <laughs> you know? No, like, he's, he's, he's giving a metaphor, or, or, and, and a hyperbole here, like, it's a lot, just a lot, 77 times. And so Jesus does this amazing thing when he teaches because I, I appreciate it because I need more answers than, than just simple answers. And he's like, I'm going to tell a story to illustrate my point. So he does what he does wonderfully. He tells a parable. It's a, it's a teaching, a story that's going to illustrate what he means. And so it, it goes on, Matthew chapter 18. We're going to look at verse 23 and just kind of read the story. He's like, all right, let me explain this to you. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And he began the settlement. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. You following this? There's a king. Dude owes him 10,000 bags of gold. If you owe anyone 10,000 bags of gold, you're going to love this story, okay? That's a lot of gold. 10,000 bags of gold. All right, 10,000 bags of gold. Take that in. 25. Since he was not able to pay the debt, if you owe 10,000 bags of gold, anybody able to pay that up right now? Come see me if you are, because I'd love to meet you. Um, He wasn't able to pay. The master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to pay the debt. That's pretty hardcore. At this, the servant fell on his knees before the king. He says, be patient with me. Please, please, I'll pay it back. I will pay back everything I owe you, which is a lie because he owes him 10,000 bags of gold. The servant's master took pity on him, and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. This is the first half of the story. There's going to be more, but let's just pause there. Uh, the, the word forgiveness is originally um, a financial term. It means to cancel a debt. 
And so that's what's happened here, 10,000 bags of gold. Now, this guy didn't actually owe 10,000 bags of gold. Maybe he did. This is a parable. A lot of Jesus' stories uh, were not based in real-life events, but they were things that definitely could happen and have happened, and so he uses them as an illustration. This, this concept of 10,000 of something, um, it's just a cultural way of saying a whole lot. We say a ton. Oh, had ton. we got tons of lasagna at the house. Like, come on, come on over. We got tons of lasagna. Really, tons? Like, you got dump trucks full of lasagna at your house? No, but you know, what that means is you got lots of lasagna, right? So when he's saying 10,000 bags of gold, what he's saying is he owed him a lot of money. It was like tons of money. He owed him a lot of money. And the debt was forgiven. The debt was canceled. So that he sets up this picture. A huge amount of debt completely wiped away by forgiveness. Let's continue the story. Jesus goes on in verse 28. He said, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. Take that in. This is much less money. Not 10,000 bags of gold, a hundred silver coins, which, by the way, is still a lot of valuable stuff, but not as much as he owed the king. So the servant grabs him, begins to choke the man, and says, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me. I will pay it back. Deja vu just happened a few minutes ago with the king. But he refused. Instead, he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged. And they went and they told their master everything that had happened. So the first servant has just been forgiven tons of debt, 10,000 bags of debt. And then he finds a friend who owes him, you know, 100 silver coins, and he's not willing to forgive it. You follow the, the story here. It's pretty simple. So verse 32, the master called the servant in. This is the king again. Get back in here. What? Stand right here and listen to me. If you have a child, you're imagining this moment. What? So this is what he says. You wicked servant. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in his anger, the master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. And just so you know, torture is not a high-paying gig. He's not going to be paying that back anytime soon. So then Jesus gets to his point. Verse 35 is where Jesus is making his point. Now, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers or sisters from your heart. And there it is again, forgiveness. So so Peter says, seven times? Culture says three. I say, seven times? Jesus says, 77. Why? Why? Well, let's talk for a second about forgiveness. And I, I found that one of the best ways to define something is to you know, do the antithesis of the thing, define what it is not. Okay, so let's just look at a couple of things that forgiveness is not so that we can understand what forgiveness is. Because I think we've been fed some lies about forgiveness. These are things that you may have heard, maybe things that you put in practice a lot, and I would encourage you to think about them. Here's the first thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not forgetting. It's not forgetting. You heard this phrase, forgive and forget. But that's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, because you can't unremember things. Well, I do it all the time, but not with when someone's hurt you. You can't unremember the moment. It's just there. It's, it, it's in your head. Forgiving is not necessarily forgetting. It would be nice if you forget. But actually, there's never a point in Scripture or where Jesus tells us, like, listen, if you're going to forgive someone, you need to completely forget it and never let it cross your mind again. Because we understand that that can be a mechanism to protect us. 
We need to know when people are unsafe or untrustworthy. Forgiving is not necessarily forgetting. And so I just want to put that up there and just think about it. The second thing that forgiveness is not is this. Forgiveness is not just kiss and make up. Kiss and make up. This is what I mean by that. Um, as long as everyone's still smiling at the end of the day, we're all good, right? As long as everyone's happy, then forgiveness happened. This is when you have this big blow up at Thanksgiving, you know, and Uncle Jimmy says this thing that he shouldn't say to, you know, whoever, Aunt Lou, and you're just like, if you have an Uncle Jimmy or Aunt Lou, it's completely coincidence. And he just blows up the spot, and he says something, everybody's like, ooh, why did he say that? And then they're going to have a big fight, but then, you know, Grandma steps in, she's like, ho, 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 mashed potatoes, mashed potatoes, everybody mashed potatoes, and you're like, all right. And at the end of the day, we just don't talk about it. Now, I know this is true in many of our families, that we just don't talk about it. How do you deal with your problems? Uh, we don't. We don't. We just fight later. And then we put it in a closet, and then we fight later, and then we put it in a closet. Forgiving is not just kiss and make up. And this is a lie that I think that we tell our, our kids all the time. You know, just give them a hug, <laughs> shake hands. Just do it. No, like forgiveness is a heart thing, which goes into this third thing that forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not just words. It's not just the words I forgive you. Because isn't that happens when isn't that what happens when we're kids? You know, like go and tell your sister you're sorry, and you're like, sorry. <laughs> you know, you just walk away. And like that's not were you sorry? You're not really sorry. It didn't impact how you felt about the situation, you're not going to let it go. You got the stick in your mouth. You're going to be ramming into door jams for the rest of your life because you just said you were sorry. And so forgiveness is not forgetting. Forgiveness is not just kiss and make up. Forgiveness is not just saying you're sorry. There's more to forgiveness than that. So what is forgiveness? I'm not going to pretend to be Webster and I didn't write a dictionary, but there's some things that I think we can look at about what God teaches about forgiveness and we can understand what forgiveness is in God's mind. Okay, so let's look at a couple of these things. This is what forgiveness is. By the way, if you got an issue, you might want to write this down, okay, because you're not going to hear me right now. You're going to need to read this like Wednesday, okay? This is the first thing forgiveness is. Forgiveness is releasing my hope for a better past. Take that in. I didn't make this sentence up. I got it somewhere. But it's forgiveness is releasing my hope for a better past. See, a lot of our inability to forgive someone uh, is from always thinking about what should have been, what could have been, what might have been. But man, you're not Marty McFly. You don't have a time machine. You can't go change that. It happened. You have got to let go of your hope for a better past because there's no such thing. It's, just, it's, it's asinine. But that's what we do. We sit, around, we sit around coffee tables and we sit on couch and we're like, Psh, yeah, remember when they did that? Ah, this and that, blah, blah, blah. And that's how you shape your whole viewpoint of a certain person because of a moment. And maybe they've changed. And they may, I think this is great when, when you meet someone from high school, right, that you, you went to high school with. Some of you are a little younger. Uh, think about someone you knew earlier, okay? And so you meet someone from a long time ago in your life and you start talking about another person that you both knew back then. And you just remember what they used to be like. And you didn't give them a chance to grow up. You grew up, right? Forgiveness is releasing your hope for a better past. Because when it comes to moving forward, we can't move forward until we're willing to let go of what's behind us. And so there might be some serious things that have happened in your life, and I'm not saying that they were okay. And I'm not saying that the things that those people did were good or that they should be allowed. Maybe they need to be punished. Maybe people need to do jail time for things that have happened in your life. But that's not going to help you move forward. The only thing that's going to help you move forward is for you to begin by releasing your hope for a better past. Um, let me just put a little picture in your mind because that's going to help you later. Have you ever tried to help a, a child remove a splinter from their finger? You ever done that? Like it takes like three grown men to pin a child, a four-year-old down, 
to get a, some, some of you are grown men and you, and you won't pull a splinter out of your hand, right? It's, it's like, but there's this thing and, and, and stuff that we don't forgive is like this splinter. And it just sticks in us and it begins to fester and it begins to get infected and we just kind of, and we don't want anybody to touch that because it hurts when you touch that. Don't talk about it. Don't try to tell me to let it go. I want to put that in your mind because in a second we'll get back to it. But that's the first thing forgiveness is, releasing our hope for a better past. Uh, second thing forgiveness is, I believe, forgiveness is releasing my right to retaliate. Uh, because there is this thing, okay, I can forget what happened, but I'm going to get them in the future. See, I'm releasing my hope for a better past. There's going to be a better future because I'm going to whoop his tail. I'm going to shame her on Facebook. Like, but true forgiveness, God-centered forgiveness is releasing my right to retaliate. Because guess what? You don't have one. You don't have a right to retaliate. Let's look at what God says about retaliation. Romans chapter 12, verse 7, the apostle Paul teaches this. He says, don't repay evil for evil. You know the phrase, two wrongs don't make a right? You're like, yeah, it does. (laughs) Done. It's just two wrongs. You add negative plus negative, what do you get? More negative. That's math. But look what he says farther on in Romans chapter 12. He says, look, don't take revenge. My dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. When you do wrong in this world, the person you wrong the most is the creator of this world. He says, it's mine to avenge. On the contrary, verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy, if your enemy, your enemy, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, get him something to drink. Because in doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Which when I was a kid, I remember hearing this. My grandma would always talk about heaping burning coals on my cousin's head. I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. Yeah. But it was, it's, it's some weird metaphor. I don't even know. We wouldn't say that today. But the idea is like, we say this, kill him with kindness. You just do what's right all the time. And in verse 21, he goes back to it. He says, so don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Check this out. Revenge is us embodying evil. We become the messenger of the bad. Even though we're doing it in retaliation for something that happened, we embody evil. You don't overcome evil. Evil, evil overcomes you. And we talk about it all the time. Jesus is the only source for that. It's really difficult because it's not natural to release my right to retaliate. Because forgiveness is an unnatural act. Cats do not forgive dogs for chasing them up trees. It's natural for them to want to scratch their eyes out, right? You know, animals, it's not a natural thing to forgive. Okay, you can eat my young. It's fine. We'll just make more. No, like they fight back. This is what animals do. Mama birds will dive bomb your eyeballs if you get close to their nest. This is natural. And so it is not natural for us to want to forgive release our right to retaliate and when something is not possible naturally there's really only one other course for us to take and that is to involve the supernatural i think the biggest thing that will help us move beyond these uh regrets of reaction these things where we think we need uh we might need to forgive someone is this, this third thing that i think forgiveness is i think that forgiveness is essential to god's healing process now, that's not a definition of forgiveness. I get that. It's kind of a twist of the, the list there. But it's, forgiveness is essential to God's healing process. Remember the, the splinter in the kid's finger? What do you as the grown-up know? You got to get that out. You got to get that out or it's just going to be worse. And God says, like, you, you got to drop the stick. 
you got to let it go or it's just going to get worse. It's not going to get better. I'll tell you that. Look back through history. See if it's ever gotten better when someone just held onto a grudge. Check out history on World War I and II and every other war. If we don't let it go, it just festers and it grows and it hurts us. Jesus commands us to forgive and he gives us guidelines uh, because he wants us to heal. He wants us to move on. He wants us to give us a fresh start and a clean slate, or as we've been talking about in this series. He wants us to have the ability to start over, to have life beyond regrets. The option for that life beyond regrets. Forgiveness starts by healing you. It does. It's really neat because you're thinking, I'm letting them go. I'm doing them a favor. Man, this isn't about them. This is about you, and this is about your relationship with God, and it's about me getting in the prime position so that I can open my heart up to what God has for me in my life, and so that I can understand what it means to see the glory of God on this earth, and what I can see what it means to actually live out this mission that God gives us to shine light in dark places. He said, you can't do that if you're festering. You can't do that if you're, you're sitting and you're just like remembering the old days and trying. You can't do that. You got to move on. You got to drop the stick, and you got to move forward. Forgiveness starts by healing you. And then when that happens, this beautiful thing happens. The, the bitterness, the depression, the negative feelings you start to have about everything, they start to go away. It happens. I've seen it happen in people's lives. It's ha- happened in my life. You begin to heal. You begin to become a more healthy individual, not just spiritually, but with other people. You become a person that can move forward. Now, I need to say this. Um, there are things in our life that are just bad things that have happened to us. That I don't want to just blow, blow it off like it's not a big deal that you've been abused or that you've been hurt in some way. Like, it is a big deal. Some of those things need to be dealt with like on a professional level. You might need to see a therapist. Some people might need to be turned into the police. Like, that stuff needs to happen. But this is the big thing that I, I want to encourage us to do as a church family. While we go through the due process of making sure that right happens, that justice is seen, that we don't also carry around that stick in our mouth so that it prevents us from seeing what God has for us. Because the cool thing that can happen is that we can step into his glory and we can see what God has for us in this world. And as justice takes place in that person's life, promises can be fulfilled in your life. God can grow you. God can use you. God can make you. Forgiveness is a major part of God's plan for our life, and this is why. Because when we forgive, it helps us see the character of God. You remember the story Jesus told about the servants? Yeah, like the whole deal was, he's like, well, God is the king who forgave tons of debt. And so all I'm asking you to do is to forgive the smaller things. We get the opportunity to go to God with our regrets, our regrets of action and our regrets of inaction, the things that we just boneheaded did because we were being selfish, because we weren't thinking about the future or because we weren't thinking about God, all those things that pile up in our lives. We can actually and literally take those to God and say, I really am sorry. That was last week. Recognize your regrets. And take it to him and say, forgive me. I messed up. And God looks at us and he says, your debt is canceled. And then we get to take that message to the rest of the world. Life beyond regrets is possible. And I don't know what you might be dealing with in your life that might be uh, 
you know, something that's, that's weighing heavy, something that happened in your childhood or your young adult life or maybe just last week, here's what I ask you to do with that stick. Take it to the feet of Jesus. Be like, man, I can't carry this thing. I keep banging up my mouth on the door frames. Will you deal with this? Now, where do you want me to go? There might be a few of us today who are just hearing what I'm saying, and you got a lot weighing on your life right now, and you're like, I don't know what to do with that. Let me encourage you to do this. If, if this is your first time in church, maybe your third time in church, you came on Easter for the first time, you're like, I don't know, I'm still figuring this out. Stick around. Hang out with a group of people. We get it. We're not going to ask anybody to check their baggage or their, their background at the door. <laughs> Bring it on in. We want all of everybody's mess in the same place. Hang out with us for a little while, and you'll be like, yep, this place is pretty jacked up. <laughs> but God is good. Come be a part of that. Bring it. And just, just come and just sit and listen and maybe make some friends and, so that other people can start help you to carry that way. Because you're like, how do you put something at the feet of Jesus? Like, I don't see Jesus' feet. Was he wearing some sandals somewhere around here? Like, I don't know where to put this. Like, stick around, and, and those of us who have done it can help you. We can talk about what it means to build a relationship with the God of the universe. It might be that you've been doing this for a little while, but you just got this thing that you've been holding on to, and today's the day you're like, I'm going to let it go. And I'm going to go to God and say, God, I recognize that I need your love. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Accept Jesus' love for you today. Do it. Let today be the day. The day where you quit carrying it all around, your regrets of action, inaction, reaction, all that. And you say, I'm going to give it all to you, God. I'm going to just take it day by day after that. If that's a decision that you want to make today, or maybe you want to talk to somebody about it. We've started doing something in the last few weeks where a couple of our, we've got some spiritual leaders of our church, and they meet together, and they, they pray for you guys all the time. Uh, and I'll be back there with them for a little while. Right down the middle aisle, there's going there's be some seats right there underneath the big, uh, the big flotation device put it on, painted on the wall. Will you step back there during um, this next song we're going to do and just like have a talk? Let somebody pray for you. Talk to them about whatever's going on. You don't have to give all the details, but somebody can be praying for you. And it might be that in that moment, you're like, I need to accept Jesus' love for me. And they'll talk to you about what it means to become a Christian. And we can, we can baptize you today. They'll tell you what that's all about. Head back there, do that. Or maybe you don't want to talk to anybody in person today. Make a note on this, this, colored, uh, this connection card that's in your seat. Drop it in the bo- bucket as you leave, and I'll call you personally this week. Say, hey, what did you want to talk about? We could talk about that. But don't leave here today carrying that stick by yourself. Because it's not worth it. God gives us so much more beyond that. And life beyond regrets is possible. And you can start over every day. Let me just pray for us this morning. God, you're good and your mercies endure and your promises are lasting. And you tell us that if we bring us your, our problems and our junk and our hang up and our, our background, that you will, you will get us through it. And it's, it's not just as simple as, you know, when we're kids and we just say sorry. Because um, some of the things that we got going on in our life may take you know, years to unpack, and they may take therapy, and they may take friendships, and they may take us, you know, unpacking corners of our life that we don't want to talk about, but God, I just thank you that you give us the grace and the permission to talk about it, and that you say, I forgive you. Whatever you got on your plate, I forgive you. God, thank you for that, because I just, I need it, and we all need it. Lord, as we move forward with today, I just want to thank you most of all for the cross. I want to thank you how you showed your glory to mankind by becoming human and showed us your love and that we get an opportunity to give that love back. Thank you for the chance to start over. We love you. We praise in Jesus' name. Amen.